Welcome back to Don't Cut a Book Club. My name is Luke. The name's Dan. Continuing continuing into Lightbringer today. Uh, no one has brought the light yet. Uh, cause we're only two-thirds of the way through, I guess. Right, it's got to come at the end. <laughs> we're waiting for the light to come gotta, at the end. That's right. Uh, today we have, we have stopped at Chapter 57. Um... Before we get there, I do have a warm-up for us today. Mm-hmm. And I looked back on my previous list of warm-ups to make sure that I hadn't done this and I didn't see it, but stop me if I have. Okay. Please. Because it's it seems like something that I would have already ranted about. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you a question first. Uh, do, do you Have you gone rock climbing? Yes. Do you consistently go rock climbing? No. Okay. The last time I went rock climbing was like more than a decade ago. Okay. Okay. Rock climbing, apparently, making a huge comeback Uh, right now. Yeah. I don't don't know if comeback is the right word, but super popular, at least where I live. It's been popping off for, it's been popping off for like eight years now. Yeah. Um, and I don't rock climb. Mm Mm-hmm. And... I want people to stop asking me to go rock climbing. <laughs> I don't think you've talked about this before. Um, okay. I mean, this fits your general ethos. So this, I think this fits. <laughs> historically, this fits in Luke's characterization. Yes. Can you tell us why uh, specifically rock climbing gets your ire? It's not actually the rock climbing. Yeah. It's the, it's the constant request to go rock climbing despite the number of times that i have told people that i don't want to go rock climbing oh i see this is where we're doing a humble brag this episode where luke is so popular (laughs) that people are like please luke you have to come with us on this activity this is this is a thing i i I haven't done independent research to confirm this but like freaking everybody i know just like setting aside the the what you've just said the humble brag thing invite me to do something else i've i've said no to rock climbing stop (laughs) stop continuing to suggest rock climbing luke okay luke there's an easy solution to this what's you want to know the solution that they'll never ask you to go rock climbing again i do want to know that solution all right, I've got two options for you. The first, fake an injury. Oh, sorry, I got trench foot. I can't rock climb. Doc said I can't <laughs> rock climb because I got trench foot. Okay, okay. And then they'll so, never ask you. Well, actually, does it have to be like a semi-permanent injury, though? Yeah, it's, your, it's who you okay. are now. It's who you are. But it doesn't affect any other part <laughs> of your day or life or anything. It's just... Give me a super specific to rock climbing injury. Um, you know how the okay, you know how there's something called tennis elbow. Yeah, that's just like oh yeah, I just have tennis elbow. Just say you've got rock climber's big toe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got climber's okay. toe. I can't. <laughs> Ironically, not from climbing because I've never been. Yeah, but it prevents you from climbing, and that's all yeah. it does. Okay, that's, that's good. That's the only thing it does. That's good. You want to know option two? Okay, that's... I do, yeah. Tragic backstory related to rock climbing. Now, this one is going to require a little bit of performance on your part. But as soon as they Mm. say the words rock climbing, you need to start to choke up a little bit and just say, like, you know, I was married once and uh, we went rock climbing. She never came back. Hmm. Okay. Long ago. Make it sound like it was a long, long time ago, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Make it sound like this happened to you, like, a lifetime ago. <laughs> like, oh, it's... You know, you just brought up this really deep memory that I hadn't thought about in a long time. Decades, even. In multiple decades, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And just, and just like get really upset about it and they will never mention rock climbing around you ever again. And Mm. the other benefit to that one, you don't need to make up a specific injury that only impacts rock climbing because this is like only about rock climbing. 
This is true. This is true. Yeah. I'm liking, I'm liking both of these. Which of these do you think you can pull off the easiest is what I'm curious about. It's, it's a tough. I mean, my first thought is the injury just for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not, I'm not much of an actor. I don't think. Um, <laughs> I don't think I like the hedging there. Like maybe I am. I don't know. I could be, but I haven't tried. Um, ugh. But I, I want the challenge of the, uh, and the, mm, I want, I want to do, I want to do the tragic backstory actually. Okay. The tough thing is that the tragic backstory would have to be done for each person. Mm -hmm. And like you're, I, like maybe I'll get better with each retelling. Yeah. But once I come up with the the injury, right, that that one's like set and forget kind of thing. That's true. Although, I mean, climbers goss. Climbers spill the tea. That's what they're doing when they're rock climbing. They're just <laughs> constantly throwing out hot goss. So you tell one person, mm-hmm. I'm sure it gets around the community. This is true. This is true. Especially if you yeah. make it a little spicy, yeah. right? That's why I said, like, make it about a, a, pr- a past wife that you had that that died you know what i mean make it a little bit salacious <laughs> all right okay yeah or a like a mysterious twin, too or probably. like a twin like you had a twin and you both were like Ooh. really into climbing and they called you guys like i don't know something like the ice climbers and you would wear like pink and purple coats when you went out of course you got into of a course. lot of a lot of smash you they called you guys the smash bros actually <laughs> We had two nicknames. Yeah. That's right. We got in a lot, a lot of fights with a lot of other things yeah. and people, though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good options. Good options. Yeah. Um, any To any rock climbers out there that are listening to this that are going to see through my ruse, um, just <sighs> take no for an answer, I guess. <laughs> Okay. Okay. This is to all those rock climbers out there. Please take no for an answer. <laughs> this is good practice. This is good consent practice. Maybe. <laughs> good. Yeah. It's just, I, maybe this is, uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe rock climbing is not quite as popular where, where you are, but I tell you what, people think that everyone wants to rock climb. And so when I say no, they, they think that it's just like, I'll say no. I'm saying no this time. But like, no, I'm saying no to rock climbing. Okay. So when you say no, they, so I'm just going to, let's just play this out real quick. Cause I want to make sure I'm getting this. Hey Luke, do you want to come rock climbing with me on Monday? At like five. Right. And I'll be like, no, like, I, I don't know. I don't, I haven't really been rock climbing. I'm not a big fan type of thing. Something like that. Okay. So you're like telling them you're and not then, interested in the sport. And then the and then the follow up is like oh yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I like I you know I'm can show you how to do it that kind of thing and oh. like, whatever no and then like later on another time they're like hey still up for uh, going rock climbing if you ever want to it's like no <laughs> I did say no before yeah okay that makes sense Luke yeah oh yeah all you climbers out there we we don't all love rock climbing okay it's not it's. It's not objectively it's great. It's fine. I know. It's okay. Okay. That said, Luke, um, you want to go bouldering with me sometime next week? <laughs> now that's different. <laughs> Huge difference. It's horizontal. Love, love horizontal. <laughs> what? That's not bouldering. Okay. okay. What are you talking about? <laughs> let's get let's get to the buck. Okay. Let's get to something we know uh, about. Let's get to something Luke actually knows something about. Which is which is Lightbringer, um, up to chapter fifty-seven, mm-hmm. and it's good. It's good to finish the battle scene that we had to stop halfway through. Yes, last time. I want to just say, overall, I feel like the vibe of this section much different than the last like two books. Two that we've books read. where everything's going wrong, and it doesn't seem yeah. like there's any good plans happening. It's just like running around trying to put out <laughs> fires constantly yeah right i mean it's funny because like 
some good things happen in this section, mm-hmm. but it's not like it's not like a huge good, right? Right. Yeah. But the, <laughs> the fact that everything is not going horribly, horribly wrong, I think marks a drastic change. Yes. That I just want to acknowledge. Well, and the more I think about this, I think it's the biggest turn that we've got is Darrow has his friends with him and they're all kind of vibing now. Yeah, well, I don't know if Severo is necessarily... Well, maybe he's starting to at, at the this end of the point, section. Yeah, at the end of this section, there, we're all vibing now. Uh-huh. And, like, things aren't good. In fact, things... Right. Like, they're about to maybe be good, but um, things are not any better than they were a book ago, really. Uh, except Severo and Darrow and Cassius are completely vibing. <laughs> and that makes things feel so much better. It does. It does. Uh, we love we love getting the gang back together. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like like I said, they were not fully back together. I would say for for most of this section, but we get there at the end. But but let's not jump ahead too far. No, here. Because um, we do actually, I think, need to finish off. The battle. The battle for Mars, or, or Phobos, I guess I should mm-hmm. say. Um, I just have a couple a couple things. Number one, um, it's, <laughs> it's kind of crazy seeing how difficult it is to fight, like, a elite gold, like Apollonius is the example. Yep, or Diomedes is another one. Yeah. Um, where the one that we actually see is them trapping Apollonius and doing all of these things, which they get unlucky a couple of times. Yeah. But also it's just like, man, fighting these guys is very tough. Yep. Yep. And the one, I think it was Diomedes or one of these guys where Virginia is just sending so many troops to go take them out or even slow them down. And it's like doing nothing she's just watching yeah, this, this gold on the screen like running towards her and she's like okay another hundred people go deal with this guy please <laughs> right this is this is actually ajax and lysander's group yes mainly mainly ajax i assume yes it was ajax that's right uh yeah very tough and it actually led me to come up with a suggestion for these folks uh We've been talking for a while about how dangerous a gold is with a razor. Um, And -hmm. in the past, you know, we've had suggestions of like, just shoot them from a long ways away because that seems to do the trick. Uh, Alternatively, you built this moon base, right? This is like your facility. You're controlling the zones. Um, Maybe have some like squish rooms Maybe have some rooms where all the walls come together and you just squish them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That feels like a pretty easy thing to install. <laughs> okay. Like, sure, forget, sure. forget your automated turrets or whatever. No, no. Simple. Think simple. This is a room where we shut the two doors when they get in there and then we just, the ceiling meets the floor. You mean like a, it's like a, a, a slow, like the walls have spikes, right? And they're closing in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's like a, a super racist stereotype of a young Asian child that gets stuck inside. Right. And like right. a guy with One a of hat and a whip, you know, a razor, right? <laughs> okay. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got to have a lot of them. strategically placed but But who doesn't want one of these and like and like lure people into them that doesn't seem that hard Mm -hmm. lure them in and be like okay we got them in the squish room especially because it's like we're not talking about numbers here right if this is a numbers game this would be really inconvenient because it would it wouldn't be it would be hard to squish this many people but if it's like one in every million golds is just a monster that's gonna run through us it's like, okay, we have these special rooms that if, if we find one of those guys, we catch them in there and squish them. <laughs> right. 
Right. I I do think that there should be more of a strategy around like individual kills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's your home, if it's your home base. I, I mean, I, I support your idea, especially the, especially the, the name of it, the squish room. Love that. Um, cause yeah, it can turn a tide. Yeah. Like completely. It's ridiculous. Get some environmental okay. traps, please. <laughs> you built the base. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Like I said, there were the past couple books where everything went wrong and so I was fully expecting this battle to end poorly. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, shocked. I felt that way up until Victra kills Ajax. Yes, agreed. But, like, up until even the line that she kills Ajax. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I think the setup is, like... You, we're getting Lysander's perspective, mm-hmm. and someone tells them they ha- he has bad news, and then it says that it's a trap, whatever, whatever. Even then, I was like, it's still going to go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, <sighs> I don't know. Which, I guess, I mean, props to Pierce, right? Like, he does, he did do a very good job of recognizing that, like, anything could go wrong. For example... When Victor was like, I'm going to go kill Ajax, I was like, oh, you're going to go die because Ajax is right. like the greatest swordsman ever. Right. And I was like, okay, Victor's going, oh, wow, that's crazy. I didn't know Victor was going to go die. And <laughs> oh, no, turns out, I mean, we already knew she's amazing, but yeah, Ajax kind of sucked. <laughs> Ajax wasn't actually great. Lysander's actually kind of an idiot. And just gasses people up for no reason. Sorry, we're getting, we're gonna be doing a lot of Lysander this episode because I've got, I've got a lot of dunking on Lysander, but we'll get to that when we get there. Okay, okay, good, 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 good. Um, But yeah, props, uh, props to Victra, and um, who was she with again? Uh, What's her name? Was it Thrax? It wasn't Thrax. Okay. Yeah, Thraxa. Yeah. Yeah. Props to. Props to Victra and Thraxa. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a little, got a little head, a little, a little head chopping. Mm. You love to see it. <laughs> um, okay, but the the next note that I have is actually after the battle. Okay, yeah, take us after the battle. And this is uh, Mustang's call with Darrow. Ooh. Okay. Yep. And I just want to appreciate. When when Mustang gets super mad at him for his like somewhat justified arrogance that he could turn the tide, yeah. When he's basically like, "Man, if we only had gotten there a few days sooner," and I think it's interesting to think about like, would it have made a difference? I don't know. Like, it feels like it very well could have, right? It feels that way, yes. Nah. Like even mm-hmm. setting aside any kind of like, any kind of like strategies that he would do that Mustang wouldn't do, because because I I don't know if there would be right. many of those. Right. But just like his presence, is it making the difference? I don't know. Well, and I think you know, I think Darrow could kind of flip this on Virginia, because she was like, "What do you think you could have done?" And all he had to do to counter would be like, it's not about what I could have done. It's about what we could have done. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. He's like, sure. what are you talking? It wouldn't just be me. It's a, we're married. Okay, Mustang. This is an us problem. All right. I, I, I see your point. I don't know if he was trying to be combative uh, and win the exchange, but, I, but yeah. We talked about this in therapy. um but no i i just love the like what goes through mustang's mind where she gets mad at him for his arrogance and thinking that 
he could make the difference. And then later yeah. she's like, uh, it actually, he also might have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's true. But kind of true. I think it's also important to recognize that it was done already and she just, she needed him to go do this other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I, I, will, I will also say, I think that a Darrow strategy has a very high ceiling, but also a, a much lower floor than Mustang strategy. Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 100%. I mean, I think this speaks volume to their two characters, right? Yeah. We're like, yeah. Yeah. Mustang's range is much narrower. Adara's just doing crazy shit to see what works. <laughs> right, right. I did enjoy seeing Mustang's, like, uh, I don't know, like, the way that she manages the fight is so much different and very interesting. Totally. To yeah, 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 yeah. The the difference between those two characters is very good. Very well done. Yeah. Okay. Um where where do you where do you want to go from here? Do you want to start bashing Lysander? So I've got I've got a few notes about uh our boy Quicksilver. Okay. And like a couple about Darrow later on, and then basically the rest are bashing Lysander. <laughs> Okay, let's let's hold on to to Lysander bashing until the end, I guess. Okay, that works for me. Because that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be a little treat. <laughs> um, do we want to go to Quicksilver now with Darrow and the fam? Yeah. Okay. First off, like classic trillionaire, right? Oh, things are going bad. Uh, I'm just gonna dip. I'm just gonna build a rocket ship and kind of dip. You guys have fun. Right. Right. Oh. Can, this this planet's done for. Yeah. Let's try again. Yeah, let's just try again. I'm kind of done with all this. And I've got the money to do it, so I'm out. <laughs> um, My other issue with Quicksilver, and I get that there's like more caught up in his character for this choice, but he's kind of not really thinking through his strategy here in a meaningful way. So to summarize what his plan is, he has created non-color people, just like homo sapiens, people without colors, and made a little environment for them where they're raised by these automatons, and he's going to take them in this asteroid out to another planet to basically start life somewhere else. Outside of the solar system. Outside of the solar system, yeah. Um, and his, I, his reasoning, like he doesn't want to have any interaction with them. Like he doesn't even talk to them at all. He's just like mm-hmm. watching them. Um, and his reason is he doesn't want to corrupt them because he's been like dirtied by his influence from the society that doesn't stop at the like glass between you and these kids. Like, Right. That informs everything about what you've done, including the space you created for them and the automatons that are raising them. Like, just because you don't touch them or directly speak to them, like, everything about what you've done is still influenced by your culture and society. Like, you can't, there is no way to completely disentangle that from what you're doing here. Right. Especially with. I was thinking this too, but especially with the automatons of like, presumably they're, you know, teaching them because I think they, he mentions like a school. What are they teaching? Correct. It has like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can separate it unless you're just teaching like, I don't know. Even anything, even the simplest shit, like <laughs> language, uh, yeah, your language is going like, to be... What about, like, just math, though? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You try to teach math, no word problems allowed. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's just lines on a paper. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think it's possible to, to take that out. I mean, maybe he's, like, just speaking colloquially. You know, and he's like, yeah, I know, obviously, there's going to be something here, but 
I'm going to try to make it so that I don't influence it. But at that point, it's like, I don't know, just hang. Just hang with them yeah. a little bit. Yeah, just just be their dad, I think. Quicksilver, just go be their dad. And I think this is the reason why he doesn't... You know, he's these are all excuses for why he isn't engaging with them because they don't really stand up to meaningful scrutiny. And I think his backstory that he reveals is the real reason why is like, he can't be vulnerable in that way. And so it's more about Mm. Quicksilver than it is this idea of like, he doesn't want to influence them. Like, I think that is a cover story for his actual feelings that he just like, isn't ready to be a dad. Um, which I didn't expect these books to be so much about being a dad, but like these books are all about being a dad. Yeah. Yeah. There has there's certainly been a lot of it, especially in this section. Um, honestly, all of them though. Cassius is <laughs> yeah, trying I, to be I, a dad I, to Lysander. Uh, there's just a lot of Severo and his journey being a dad. Ephraim being a dad. Darryl and his Darrow's not really journey in being a dad. Yeah, Darrow's like a dad from afar. Severo, <laughs> Severo actually in two ways is about being a dad because not only the like Fitchner stuff, but also mm-hmm. Severo and his kids. It's just all about being a dad. Man, man. <sighs> yeah, I back to your original point though. I I do agree with you that I feel like there's it's more of like Quicksilver's afraid Mm -hmm. and he's concocted this kind of excuse. Right. That like totally doesn't hold up. I don't know if excuse is the right word, but yeah. Okay. What? A quick question for you while we're on Quicksilver. Do you have a note about Quicksilver? Uh, no. Why didn't Quicksilver tell Dara about the parasite? Do you think? I was wondering about this, not necessarily about Darrow specifically, but more just wondering if we're done with the parasite. So there were... I feel like no. I don't... Okay. I have two theories about this. Okay. One, there's like five others out there, right? I So I know that there are other ones. I, I couldn't... I can't remember if they were like out and about or if they're just like, you know they have a few more in this asteroid or something. I thought Mateo said that they released six of them. The creator released six of them out into the wild. Okay. Now, who knows how many of those are not accounted for or that are accounted for, but um, it seems like we could encounter one of them later. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm concerned. Uh, Worst case scenario is the jackal gets a hold of one of them. Yeah. Which would be terrible. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping my nightmare is honestly that this is the like turn right at the end of this series where the jackal gets one of these things and is like almost going to ruin everything. And they have to figure out how to deal (laughs) with him last minute. Um, that's one option. The other option is it Pierce is setting it up for like a short, like a spinoff series about, what's going on with these other parasites out mm. and about a little, yeah, a little fun side story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was almost wondering if they did some, did a little sneaky and just like, I don't know, sent them to Virginia on this, on this ship that they sent back or something. Oh, maybe. Mm hmm. Because, like, Pat, right, Pax is the one that sent them out there. Your theory from last episode is that Pax is getting one. And so I could see it being, like, Quicksilver. I'm, I'm sure Lyria tells uh, Mateo or Quicksilver that Pax sent her out there. And then maybe Mateo's like, oh, I bet Pax would love one of these. <laughs> Just gets a gift wrapped for him. Here we go. Here's the, here's the perfect one that we said didn't exist. Ooh, just for you that would be very good okay i do like that theory because because we, we want pax to have one i think yeah we want him to have one that doesn't fuck with his memory though right but man what a sad twist that would be if he forgets darrow oh 
I don't know. Actually, when you say that, it feels good to me. It feels like it don't, could happen. Don't tempt me with, with that oh, great no. thing. <laughs> um, that's all I have on the on our asteroid, on our folks who are abandoning the cause. Okay. I, I have I have stuff for for this section though. Um, f- number one, I, I'm hyped that Darrow finally went to therapy. <laughs> Did tell me more about that? What do you mean? So, we have talked I think in recent episodes mm-hmm. about Darrow needing therapy. Correct. Right? Correct. And I'm considering Darrow's study of this book. Yeah. And his. Um, I don't know. Conversations with Aria is that uh-huh. what her name is? Aria, I think. Aura as like a form of therapy, right? I I hear what you're saying. I'm actually concerned by how deep Darrow is into this book because <laughs> okay. he uses it to to basically frame everything, and I think we're like two steps away from Darrow joining like a QAnon anti-vax Facebook group because he's getting a little into like crystals and mysticism in like an intense way. You know what I mean? You think, okay, I guess maybe you're, so I agree with you. Maybe you're taking it in more of a a cynical approach than than I am. Uh Where you're, because I feel like you get into this thing and you can go one, you know, you can go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole. Right. Or you can just be a, a nice person. <laughs> I don't. Um, and I'm I I don't know. I feel like I feel like he's doing it. Mm, I don't know. Here here's my concern. The book has these statements that are like short, kind of catchy one-liners. Mm-hmm. That. I don't know if they are good. Like, just because there's a quick one-liner about, like, you have to be broken to be repaired or something doesn't mean that necessarily fits the situation. Like, just because you can remember a line from a book that relates to a situation doesn't mean that is a good thing for that situation. Like, when he... Okay, okay. But, Dan, you're, you're, taking, you're taking the individual lines... And not considering that he has also accepted the more the the framework of the methodology of the book, right? Okay. All right. Let's look at an example that I found concerning. Uh, okay. Severo and Cassius are getting into it, and and it looks like it's going to turn to violence. And Darrow's like, you know what? Got to let us. Got to let him slug it out. The book says I got to let him fight. Um, no, this is like a. <laughs> this is an aspect of toxic masculinity that we don't need to encourage. I think Darrow. Like, maybe we don't need to turn to violence. Maybe boys don't need to just fight it out. Maybe that's not a thing boys just need to do. I've never had to fight it out with anybody. <laughs> I th- I think that's fair. I uh, generally applied to society at large 100% yeah yeah I don't know if you're getting through to Severo maybe that's something we need to talk about like hey Severo (laughs) uh, could you not maybe need us to fight you to get through to you like could we instead of having to beat your ass could we just talk to you Maybe that's not right, a maybe right. maybe they all need to go to like real therapy and not just like enter the thunderdome and hope that solves their problems. <laughs> I don't disagree. And Darrow justifies it with a phrase from this book and I'm like Darrow, we're not this isn't good, bud. I'm into it. I'm for God, it. I can tell you are and I'm so not. He's too <laughs> into this path book. He's going to get home and Virginia's going to be like, you've changed. I don't like all this stuff. <laughs> he's very spiritual yeah, he's, now. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dan's not loving it. That's fine. Um, the other note that I have from this section um, is maybe a little bit broad, but 
The scene where Lyria meets Darrow, mm-hmm. I have really enjoyed getting like other people's perspective of Darrow. And Lyria's Lyria's like was a was a really good one and I enjoyed it. Uh, but but I want to be a little bit more broad in this uh, because I don't know. It's so interesting how, you know, the first glimpse or interaction that people have with Darrow is like unsurprisingly, I don't know, like some extreme event. Right. Yeah. Like Lysander and Darrow just like barreling towards him in like a whirlwind of violence. Right. That kind of thing. Or even Lyria's where, you know, it's just like this insane, you know, meeting of what many people in your position consider like a demigod, basically. Right. Um, And then like the contrast of her interpretations of like his silences or, or whatever versus like when we actually get Darrow's perspective and he feels, I don't know, very like normal to me. Yes. Um, yes. And then, and then also like kind of symbolically, I guess Darrow doesn't have a last name, right? No, he's just of like, cause I don't think, I, I don't think reds do generally. Yeah. Um, and so there's also that where people like call him Darrow. Which, I don't know, is a like huge contrast, I feel like, with a lot of people. And so it's, I don't know, it's fun to, to get people's like reaction to Jer- Darrow that's always like that, in, that crazy thing. But, but you know, to be we, like as, as good personal friends with Darrow, no, he's just a normal dude. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. To be reminded that like everyone in this world thinks of Darrow as a god like something that is superhuman when we're like in his head and Darrow's like, am I being a good dad? Oh, I don't know if I'm being a good dad. I hope I could be a good dad. And everyone else is like, he was clearly built for war and I could see every movement. There's like intention and and pent up violence at every step. And Darrow's like, Hmm, do I want a ham sandwich right now? I kind of (laughs) do. Right. Right. Or even like, like, uh, uh, Virginia's perspective when she like recalls seeing him for the first time. Yes. Yes. And it's like, I feel like when I read this, it was Darrow just like being a 16 year old boy or something like that, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, we do love those outside perspectives of Darrow though, especially from people who aren't his friends, people who are just like, have heard of him. Uh, right. Yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, are we are we ready to talk about the the anti Darrow here? I, I I have one more before we get there. All right, and it's another and it's another Lyria meetup this time with Cassius. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how to say this. I love Cassius. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know. Just every time, like, someone meets him, uh, or, like, anytime there's a, I don't know, somewhat serious conversation about Cassius, it's always like, oh, this guy just, like, is such a pure soul that has had, like, I don't know, so many ups and downs, and I just want the best for him. Mm. And every time we have one of these, I'm like, ah. Oh, Cassius, love you. Want the best. Come on. I mean, okay. I I do sort of fall into Severo's camp, I think, a little bit on Cassius. Because um, I don't like the front Cassius puts on. And I recognize it's a front. Like, he is a very kind and considerate person and, like, would would literally go to war for you if you just, like, needed his help. Um, Mm -hmm. but the front he puts on is so annoying where he's just like, Oh yes. Well, I, I would have dueled you, but I'm a little too drunk. So we'll just shake hands instead. (laughs) Ha ha. Um, and keep your feet off the, off the leather. My, my man, uh, you got to keep your things nice. What are you doing? Ha ha. And I'm just like, ah, you're a, 
he's too foppish to me. He's too like mm. he's too hoity toity and like putting on airs of being royalty and like like a he's putting on airs like he's a knight or like a prince in a medieval story. Sure, sure. And I don't um, love it. It's okay, annoying. That's fair. I'm annoyed by so it. So I I 100% see what you're saying. I think it's fun. I think it's funny. I don't. I want to see real Cassius. The thing is, here's the thing with this. It would be fun if Cassius came out of that and was like, hey, I know I'm kind of putting on this character because I've got a lot of trauma I'm dealing with, but like, I'm actually kind of just a dude. Uh, and instead, he's just this caricature all the time. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, it is really not like his relationship with Lyria, mm. I think, breaks out of this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which I th- I think was probably also the case with uh, what's her name? I we didn't really get to see it, but the the pilot when he was with Lysander Pytha, I think mm-hmm. is her name. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that there's a little bit of that too, but uh, his relationship with Lyria is also so heartwarming. It is really good. Yeah, um, I mean, it is giving starting to give me concerning uh, Rana and Alexander vibes, as in like you think that they're kind of this fall could, in love well this could just be a tragic tale of a red and a gold starting to you know kind of be into it and then one of them just getting murdered and the other one being oh, so sad oh don't do this dan i mean there's we are seeing are you not seeing the parallels i do see the parallels yeah totally they're like everywhere it's like <laughs> screaming for this right now i don't accept that i reject that I mean, you know, the thing about parallels is they don't have to go exactly the same, but right. I'm concerned. Okay, okay. Concern is noted. Um, all right. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about your boy? Oh, I've been waiting the whole time to talk about my boy. Um, God, Lysander. We're, I'm just going to kind of break down Lysander real quick for what he's been talking about in this in this section of the book, because there's a lot here that he is just popping off about. First, he keeps talking about the society and like fixing it. And like all it, all it needs is this one thing to fix it. Um, And I think he is completely rejecting the fact that like, you're going to die. Like, even if you think you're going to do this thing and make a great thing out of the society, like, eventually you will die and if you haven't changed the like system of government that existed before you're gonna end up probably with a very similar outcome to the thing you were hating on Mm -hmm. like that's what had been happening for a long time you're not meaningfully addressing it you're not coming up with a solution to the like busted form of government that existed you're just like yeah but i'll be in charge and it's like (laughs) that doesn't fix anything um and so it's like it's not just a few bad apples lysander like the whole thing was fucked and it had been fucked for a while yeah i lysander's like vision or at least like approach to this is almost like i feel like the classical definition of fascism (laughs) Right, right, where he just has to be in charge and then he can fix all the problems. Well, there's there's that part of it, which is, like, the more obvious part. And then the other one is that, like, his his big reason for things being... Or it, it's basically the, like, return meme, you know? Give me more. Give me more details. What's the- <laughs> okay, just basically the the idea that there was some... Uh, idealized past that we just need to to return to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And it's like, can, I don't know. Can you give me some specifics, actually? Especially when, like, propaganda is so baked into the society. Like, I think somebody hints at one point that Siloon was not as great as everybody thinks they were, or this relationship between Akari and the Loon family. Selenius. Selenius wasn't nearly as good or as like noble as everyone thinks it was. And Mm. 
So like there's also a component here where maybe this past isn't even like wasn't even different. Like it was just mythologized and your thing you're trying to attain is just not even possible. You don't you literally don't have evidence of it ever existing aside from the like stories that get passed down. And who knows if those are all just pure propaganda at this point. Like propaganda plays a huge role in everything you do all the time. So like right. Yeah. I mean <laughs> this gets like he has this yeah, I- idealized vision of especially this era, right? Um but at the end of this, we learn that, like, they created a the most horrific weapon possible. This virus, like, yeah. If, if that doesn't make you be like, were these the good guys or the bad guys? I don't know what's going to. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I totally forgot about the virus thing. This is horrific. God. <sighs> Uh, and then, okay, I do, since we're talking about how the society itself is kind of busted and Lysander needs to like, and Lysander's never going to do this, but I wish he would just realize that. The other thing about it that is pointing out how absurd this is and the kind of mental gymnastics that the golds have to do. So I'm going to jump forward a little bit, but that's because this is relevant to what we're talking about. Atlas is like gathered his crew together. And they're like having a meeting where he's got obsidians and greys and they're all just like, they're all a part of his Gorgon squad and kind of talking to each other as equals, right? Where they're, he's educated them and they're doing things that Lysander didn't think that people of this cast would be able to do. Mm -hmm. How do you take that where you're like, oh, these people are all kind of, brothers and they all develop this strong bond how do you take that and then also say yeah but if it comes down to it i need to be able to say you're a slave you do what i say go fight over here like yeah how do you hold those two things in your mind as like yeah these people are kind of like equals and can match me in a lot of ways and also i own them i can tell them what to do it's absurd. Right. It's like, it's absurd it is, to me. It is absurd. And I think it comes down to the, like, the thing that I feel like defines Lysander the most, which someone's, I, I think maybe Cassius says this to Virginia, which is that, like, Lysander wants to do the things that he says he will, but he also might not but if like necessity requires what it actually is yeah but lysander like consistently has this idea of what the what the world should be or the right thing to do and just like always finds a good reason to do something different right right and so i feel like he is capable of acknowledging things like what you have said but he's he's not at the point of like recognizing that his he doesn't actually believe them or believe his like i don't know the things that he says Mm -hmm. does Mm -hmm. that make sense yeah 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 there's a there's a difference between knowing something and like feeling it and believing it to be true and like you can put that wall up if you want like that is a yeah that is a barrier that you can construct and he seems to have a pretty solid one right now. Um, right. Yeah. I think I think uh, Virginia says something else during our bat or during the battle. Um, that was basically like Lysander promises a new age, but he's willing to sacrifice a generation to get there, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, seems very seems very accurate. Um. Yeah, for sure. So that's big picture about Lysander. And then I want to just kind of get into how Lysander got pwned this this section. Because he got kind of slammed in a few ways that I was loving. Um, and the first one, which is the most related to what we were just discussing, is like, I love how surprised Lysander was that the Greys had their own motives. Like he, mm. he finds out that his ducks 
the Praetorian Guard who he was like he trusted as his, as his right hand man. He finds out that he was actually like a Gorgon or working for the Gorgons and was like, yeah, I don't really believe in what you're doing. And so I'm going to do my own thing. And Lysander's just like, what? You can do that? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I just love that moment where he was so surprised that anybody like that this person would defy him in this in this way. Yeah, yeah. It, it does seem like he has not considered the actions, like, or maybe I should say the free will of anyone that is not gold. Yes, exactly, exactly. And to just have that thrown in his face so hard was so satisfying. <laughs> um, and, okay. <laughs> the, other, the other situation that was so satisfying was, so he's on the... He is on the bridge of the Dustmaker, and he- Helios comes clomping in and is like, "Give me that gauntlet! I gotta control the shit." And uh, Lysander is like, "Oh, you know, he looks all beat up, but even so, Helios has that same like crackling energy that he's he has. There's this aura about him that just has so much." vitality it's just totally helios and then turns out oh he's not helios it's atlas you idiot what was that about his crackling energy though tell me more about how you know this is so helios how that move is so helios to do (laughs) gotta feel pretty stupid huh I love I love this of you just taking joy in every time Lysander is wrong about something. Well, it's because he's so the way he describes people, he just like one, not only is he gassing them up, but he gives them attributes that are like, where is this coming from? Like, what do you mean he has a crackling energy that just I don't know what you're talking about, Lysander? <laughs> But he, he just gives these extra things to people. And it's like, yeah, it turns out that wasn't even the person you thought it was who had this cool aura around them. So maybe it that's all bullshit. Me, it reminds me actually of like, you know, those like BuzzFeed quizzes. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> any option could describe anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like what you're getting at here is that Lysander is really good at like describing a super cool trait of someone, but that description could be moved to any number of people. Yes. And it's not. And the way Lysander describes it is like, oh, he came in and he had the energy of, uh, Disney Channel's High School Musical and no one else, this is how I know it's him because no one else has the High School Musical energy when in fact uh, it was just Atlas who we all know has a smart house energy. Right. And it's like you're using these as like identifying descriptors, like unique identifying descriptors and then getting blasted apart when they're not unique. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah tough tough look for your boy um, we loved it we reveled in it we reveled in it the we whole did. way um the, the other thing about i just want to stay on this scene for a second mm-hmm. um so after this reveal i reread the chapter just to see like if it would be you know what kind of like little hints did pierce leave and I, so I only remember one specifically, but there were a few that were kind of fun, actually. Oh, hit like, us with it. Like, so, so they're not like super out there, but it's just like when you reread it, you can be like, oh, I know what that means. Like okay. there's one where um, Lysander sees the group of like uh, soldiers that quote unquote Helios has come in with and he recognizes them and he's like, but 
it looks like the thrill of war has like made them 10 years younger or something like something along yes. those lines. Yes. Uh-huh. And there's like a few of those that if you look through it, you'll be like, Ooh, I know what that means. Oh my gosh. So give that, give that a little reread. That's we love uh, anytime. This is a sign of a good book. Luke is anytime that there's a, a reveal that happens like a surprise. You go back and reread and you get good little hints about it. Um, right. Right. I, w- I will say earlier, there was some uh, heavy-handed foreshadowing about, um, what's it called? What's the what's the super good farmland called? Oh, the Garter. Demeter's Garter. Yeah. I think some very heavy-handed foreshadowing that that was going to fall. I mean... Diomedes says like 45 times that it could never fall. Of course. <laughs> and how important it is. How it's key. Right. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is something I've actually been thinking about as we're reading this second trilogy. Do you remember if a lot of this stuff was mentioned in the first trilogy? It was just kind of offhand and now it's kind of becoming more important or is Pierce kind of like, I don't want to say he is like recreating, like rewriting history with these, this trilogy. Cause he's writing the whole thing. Like it, there is no history aside from what he writes. I'm just curious if like there were references to a lot of this stuff in the previous trilogy, like that have been there the whole time, or if he just is adding it now because it's relevant to the story he's telling now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, and I don't know the answer to okay. that. I mean, I think especially for this section where we're out in the, in the rim there's really only that one time in the first trilogy where uh, where Darrow is out there and the big uh, the big fight with Roke happens mm-hmm. and his giving away of the um, of the Reds. I assume that there is some details given there because he actually does land on Io. Yes. So I'm I'm guessing that the like big broad sweeps are there, uh-huh. but I, I don't really remember. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean the thing I think of right now specifically is the garter. Like it sounds like the garter <laughs> is super important. And I now it had been a long time since we read the original trilogy. But I don't remember it being mentioned. And I mean, of course it wasn't a big deal in the first trilogy because they they didn't do anything. They weren't gonna do anything with it. But um right. yeah. Um, since we're talking about Atlas, I want to take a little break here from slamming Lysander. Mm-hmm. Atlas seems like an absolute legend. Yeah. Right? Like, this was the moment where Atlas seemed to be actually so much better than anybody else we are dealing with. Did, that, did you get that too? I d- yes, for sure. Yeah. How is his plan this good? yeah i mean okay the thing about this is unlike darrow for example alice has had has been able to like focus almost entirely on this plan i mean i'm sure he's doing like other stuff Mm -hmm. right we've seen we've seen him do a lot of things um which also individually show how like competent he is yeah but he talks about how this plan has been in the works for like 12 years mm-hmm. if not longer mm-hmm. and it shows because it's incredible incredibly good plan yeah it seems too good for um, even 12 years if i had 30 years i don't know if i could design a plan that would be this good it does feel like a situation where he has set up like assets and basically like taken opportunities as they come okay yes for sure because right? because I, I i don't th- i don't think he's like planning to the details 12 years ago yeah mm-hmm. but i don't know he's he's crushing it i gotta say yeah it's <laughs> 
<laughs> he is like wiping everybody from the face of the worlds and he's doing it like he's making it look easy he's making it look like yeah. it's no problem and this is all according to plan and like it's amazing it's amazing to watch right. him work honestly i i mean he he talks about it like in this conversation with lysander essentially as if he's like the most powerful person in the universe because i mean there's an argument for that but but the line i'm thinking of is when he is essentially asking Lysander if he wants to be on the morning chair, right? Yeah. He's like, you know, do you want me to put you there? And and I, I don't think that he means to, like, do a humble brag or anything. He's just, like, being, I don't know, asking seriously. It's just, like, literally true. Like, he, he believes he could make that happen. Yeah. And it seems like he very much could. Right. Not if Darrow can, has anything to say about it, though. What's Darrow gonna do? Darrow doesn't. The, my favorite part about all this too is that Darrow has no idea. Darrow's coming in like, "What is happening? <laughs> this is crazy, guys." Right, right. The, the, there's another contrast here of Atlas being like meticulously planning things and like executing things flawlessly, whereas Darrow is like a chaos agent. <laughs> who comes in and just like, I don't know. Darrow's like, I'm going to save my boy Severo. I got to go onto this dock and try and break him out. And then Severo launches like a nuke and Atlas is like, oh yes, all according to plan, they blew up that spire. <laughs> Meanwhile, Severo's like, I just did it because we had to escape. Right, right. Oh uh, yeah, very good. And to get back to dunking on Lysander, dude, like, you don't know anything. How does it feel to just get completely destroyed when you have, not only do you have, like, supposedly a, a great education and, like, you're set up for success in this venture, you have, like, a cheat code of, like, the mind's eye. And even with this, you're just, like, constantly getting surprised by amazing plans that you never saw coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's got to feel terrible, huh? The tough thing is Lysander continues to be the recipient of, like, I don't know, unearned whatever, where just, like, he fails upward, I feel like. Yes. Which yes. we love. We love to see that. No, I'm stoked for him to get a razor through the face. Uh <laughs> Who you who you looking you looking for a Cassius on Lysander or Darrow? Severo. Severo, okay. And I feel like they have less personal beef though. Severo has a sword, has a has a weapon for him. They, yeah, he's got but, knives for everybody. Yeah, but everybody. Okay. You wanna know my concern, Luke, and it's specifically bubbled up because of something we learned this chapter? Mm-hmm. You remember what Darrow says when Diomedes asked him what the point of war is? No. Darrow says something to the effect of, like, coming to an agreement for peace. Sure. Man, I don't want Lysander to be a part of the peace. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's we're being set up to that with Darrow on this cool meditation path of, like, forgiveness and, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. And Lysander maybe realizing that he doesn't have it all figured out. But I... This is a redemption arc I think I might not be on board for. Oh, the rare the rare redemption arc that Dan will not accept. Uh, it's going to take a lot of work for Lysander to be <laughs> on her. And you know what the, the worst part about this is, and the part that doesn't feel very good to me, is that Lysander hasn't really done anything that horrific. Like, yeah, he is he is like a little baby fascist and trying to support the system of government that is super busted but he's like trying to be good do you know what i mean like he's trying to be a good guy and is like standing up for people and like yeah be be a good guy in his in his own way in his own and like, way and i i do know what you mean where like he hasn't specifically done the bad things right like he didn't actually do this 
this attack on Io. Um, right. But I mean, you. I think we're gonna get to the point where it's like. A lot of these things that Lysander didn't specifically do, he's also kind of taking credit for, almost. Yes, for sure. And he's going to take credit for it, sounds like. Um, and I just... Which, which I think is even worse, though. <laughs> it's even more frustrating. <laughs> I just... I don't want him. I want him to get blasted out of an airlock. I, I don't want a redemption arc for him, and I'm worried. Okay. I'm worried okay. about a redemption arc for Lysander. <laughs> All right. We're going we're going to Lysander and and Jackal 2.0 redemption arc and we're both going to be You know what? Throw Atlas in the mix. Let's let's redeem our fear knight too while we're at it. <laughs> That's what I'm rooting for. Maybe the person with the least least amount of soul left in the whole galaxy. Right, but he's he's really good at things. Yeah, he's really good at planning and strategy. Hmm. Man. Anyway, Luke, let's let's finish this thing, man. Let's do it. Uh, wrapping up next week. This is not the end of the series, Pierce. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see where all our characters end up. Maybe Quicksilver would turn his ship around and decide to, I don't know, pay everybody a billion dollars to not fight. Yeah. Because he probably. he probably could, but you know, regardless what happens, we're going to bring the hot takes. And be the dumb nerds. 